This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live show here on Twitch. Brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. And on Signals from the Frontline, we talk about what's new and happening yep. with the GW hobby. Talk about some tactics. Uh, sometimes they're actually useful. And we take a look at uh, what's going on in the ITC. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. <laughs> with me, as always, is my surly co-host. Oh. The one, the only, the salty banana. The sweaty banana today. The leaky banana sometimes. It's a little warm. Yeah. It's a little warm. I guess you could be the leaky banana again since you're sweating. Yeah. 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 The moist banana. <laughs> there we go. That was from Mariana. That was Ooh. good. Yeah. The soft banana. Whatever. So sometimes we also talk about uh, gaming. So let's go ahead and jump in. But of course, if you want to catch us live, the show is 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesdays at uh, Frontline Gaming underscore. Or it's... Uh, no, oh. this the Frontline, Twitch? Frontline Gaming underscore TV. TV. I was I got my the Twitch and then the Twitter URL mixed up in my head. Don't there for get a second. mixed up because there are other Frontline Gaming channels. Your Twitters and your Twitches got to be separate. Yeah, you know what I mean. This is the real deal mm. channel. Mm. All right, so let's jump in and catch the show. And of course, if you can't catch us live, you can always watch on YouTube or catch us on iTunes, Spotify. Pandora. Wow. iTunes. Did I already say that one? Apple. Maybe I did. What? YouTube. Google Play. Facebook. All the things. Uh, We're on a lot of media MySpace. now. MySpace. Yes. And of course, we've all we've been announcing it across the entire Frontline Gaming Network, but that is what it is now. Hmm. The FLGN, the Frontline Gaming Network, now that we incorporate so many different podcasts, check out uh, Chapter Tactics with Pablo, Jeff, and Control Robinson, Sean, Morgan, and of course, the, the new golden boy in the lineup, 40K Stat Center. Brought yeah. to you by two wily Canadians, the Falcon and Valve Heffelfinger. Uh, it's a really good show, actually. Those nerds know their stuff. They do. They do. All right, let's get in and talk about the news. So the first news item, what? A uh, copy-paste error there. Don't worry about that. I'll fix it in post. I was wondering what this was. Yeah. I'll fix it in post. I don't okay. know what happened there. That was the first time. That was the main topic. That was a copy-paste error. Okay. But don't worry. I'll change that. Okay. Uh, so the new Warcry Warband is pretty creepy looking. Yeah. They are called the Unmade. And just to give you kind of a, a of an overview, what is Warcry? Again, Warcry is a Warband based uh, uh, skirmish level combat game that takes place in the Age of Sigmar universe. But it zooms in. It's only Chaos Warbands, and each Chaos Warband is from a different realm. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> beyond having really beautiful models and being a cool concept. Uh, you know, you, you buy a warband and you, you go play against your opponent. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, get, it's really helping to flesh out what it's like to live in the realms of, of Age of Sigmar. Yeah. So, because they're all largely human. There's some other races in there, some elves and dwarves and stuff, but they're largely human. And you're getting kind of an idea of what, is it, what does it mean to be a human living in the realm of death? Mm -hmm. Well, it's pretty gross and creepy, especially yeah. if you're also worshiping chaos. Yeah. So that's like... That's like the bottom of the barrel. Well, they right? they took the um, the better of the two options, I suppose. 
<laughs> it was like the what they were saying in their because this is an article that came up on uh, where they talked about the war band is it was a a uh, a human settlement or kingdom that was in the realm of undead and they're like we can't how do we live with zombies all day long and so they started worshiping chaos and uh and they delivered there's so, here's here's how you deal with undead you become monsters so the, some of the, the highlights here right besides the models look really really cool uh if you notice all their belts have a face on them that's their face mm -hmm. so i don't know how you survive skinning your own face off but they figured out a way to do it through the the power of chaos. belief yeah belief yeah i like to imagine it's like a, a there's a tent and it's like a a really really gross version of like a you know holy roller in there he's like you gotta believe mm -hmm. have faith i'm gonna cut your face off and put it on your belt buckle yeah you really gotta that's a big leap of faith what, there uh, to go like i'm with you man Let's did they this. say what chaos god they follow is it slanesh well, i don't think it says it just says that they asked yeah, for they're just chaos they asked for help and, and it, you know the chaos gods delivered they're like we, we you don't have to worry about zombies and or your face you don't right. have to look at worry about being handsome or ugly yeah so it's a win-win because you just you're just not gonna have a face you're gonna wear it on your belt buckle these look good yeah. I still like the bird one the best, though. The bird they, people? The, the Shadow Realm guys. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty good. I like the Realm of Life, Giren. They're like all snakes and poisonous and stuff. But uh, It's all Conan-ish. It, yeah, it's extremely Conan-ish. In, in the movie Conan, not the actual comic books. But uh, Well, no, the, the books, the um, Robert E. Howard's books are very much like this. Like, they're really out there yeah. and dark. But like I was saying earlier, the reason I like this is because it's giving you an idea of what the different realms are like. Right. Because before that was always kind of a question mark. You're like, what does it mean to be a human mm -hmm. living in the realm of death? Like, are you dead or what does it mean? Mm -hmm. Well, it's pretty awful, right? And I would definitely look at relocating yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, when they ported everything over from fantasy, the, the humans don't really fit well. Like, because the, the, they ported over the Empire army as these are the humans. Which but, is a German you know, Renaissance, right? You have guys century. marching with fife and drum, <laughs> yeah. with their with their muskets. It just doesn't. The, the aesthetic doesn't work, and so that's why I think a lot of people were like, "Well, what are they? Just empire people living there?" And and I think the answer so far is no. Well, and they so, are. They are in like the, well, the realm it, of heavens, or whatever. Right. Whatever but but those are all the, survivors of the settlements. Yep. So, anyways, uh, it is interesting to see. I, I do really hope that at some point in the near future we see like the quote-unquote good humans well like they, they've they, showed like, them they've showed them in the books like i forgot what the expansion was that came out uh, like a year ago mm -hmm. and then they showed like the 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 city of life that was in the realm of Giran. Mm -hmm. that was in the realm of metal where they right it was basically like gnome mm -hmm. and they make all the cannons and it was like dwarves and humans living there yeah. and they look like empire humans they had the feathers and everything yeah. big giant cannons but then the humans that lived in the realm of life mm -hmm. they were like good Humans, not obviously chaos worshippers. They were hanging. They were living with like elves and stuff, and they were kind of like ranger guys. Mm -hmm. So they have kind of showed it, and it's it's a little bit more normal. Right. This is way out there, but I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's crazy. Well, it's gonna take a while too to to establish the lore and the aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Like Warhammer Fantasy didn't just become a thing. Like no. that game was around for a really long time. It's funny. I've been playing uh more uh, War, uh Total War Warhammer. Mm -hmm. I've actually learned a lot about the realm or the, the the lore of the old world. It was a lot more intricate and cool than I gave it credit for. Yes. I always thought it was just like a 
high fantasy oh yeah clone. i love like i still have a lot of the old uh warhammer fantasy rule books like the old school stuff from like you know editions previous even before the the, the end with the eighth edition they had because the lore is so good the, yeah. the stories and the everything was so great especially with the high elves that was always my favorite um yeah it's, a, it's a lot of fun this looks good war cry looks really good i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of age of sigmar because of rules but um the models you can't argue with how they look they look fantastic and so far, we've got the realm of shadow. We've got the realm of metal. Mm-hmm. We've got the realm of death, life. And I thought, is that it? We've only had four? I don't remember. Warbands? There's been four or five. I think, did we get the realm of fire? I feel like maybe we I did. I think we did. Yeah. So they're, they're looking pretty cool. I like the models a lot. Yeah. And as a segue into the next news topic, the new Sisters of Battle models are absolutely incredible. So far, we've really only been seeing the 3D renders. Right. Uh, which we've got a bunch of those here, but we've also in the lineup got a picture of a fully painted actual Sisters of Battle model, and yeah. it is absolutely incredible. That made me double tick. I got I was feeling feelings in places where I haven't felt feelings before, mm-hmm. and I liked it. She looks good. I think a lot of people felt the same way. She looks good. So it's it's cool because you can tell that it's a nod of the head to the original models, which still hold up. They. They're, they're showing their age, but, but you can yeah. still put a sister's, metal sister's army on the table. It looks good. Yeah. But this is taking that same kind of aesthetic and modernizing it with new technology so it's not those static poses. And right. It's it, more it, dynamic. It's an incredible looking army. I think it's going to be massively popular. People have been waiting for this since second edition. Sisters of Battle was the last codex of second edition yeah that was it and and really haven't been given a lot of love in a long no. what, 20 years they haven't gotten really anything it's been a long time and this is going to look fantastic i He's, mean that's just one of the battle sisters but wait until we start seeing like the retributors and stuff like holding yeah. the heavy bolters and whatnot and who yeah. knows what else new stuff that might be getting because the sky's the limit right you know, I who don't. Who knows? Who knows what awesome stuff might be coming? Yeah, these girls need some love. Eh, this you know the, the one thing I have, I don't like the banner bearer. And the reason is that's such, it's just the holding of the giant bolter like that. I like, just give Whatever. her a pistol or something. And anyway, that's my personal opinion. The heroic scale models have oversized weapons because on a little model, if you ever yeah. see true scale, like modern um, soldier models, with like, like the, the weapon is true scale, it looks, you can barely even see it. Yeah. It, it looks really like puny, mm-hmm. whereas in real life, you know, it, it would, it would, look much cooler yeah. so they scale the weapons up to make it look more appropriate yeah right that, that's why they do that so i mean it's an aesthetic choice and most other companies do the same thing so that's why they call it the 28 millimeter heroic scale because it's not right. real but everything so far looks good i mean like like this is going to be a really good looking yeah it's going to be very popular very good looking yeah in so, other news yeah. we are getting previews of the new sylvaneth battle tome Coming out for Age of Sigmar, this is very exciting. So Sylvaneth is a really popular army, uh, but in the game, Age of Sigmar poses a lot of issues, primarily because of the physical aspects of this, the Wildwoods. And I don't know yeah. why they play it this way, but I was shocked the first time I went over to, to Warmer World and they were playing, the, they're putting down Wildwoods and they're like, oh yeah, you can't move the trees. It's like, what do you mean you can't move the trees? Like you literally can't move through the forest. Like a tree man can't go through the forest. Yeah. His own forest, he can't walk through if you don't move the trees. But that's the way they play it. Right. And so it created all these weird situations where you Well, it's because they're using their the models. And they glued them that down. Are, or that are made. Who knows, right? right. But on, on, on the flip side of that, 
I think it looks awful when players show up to a tournaments with like green felt that are cut into the dimensions of the forest. And yeah. They just plop them down. Like, well, go play War Machine if you want to play with you well, know, two-dimensional the terrain. They put the base of the forest down with no trees on it. It yeah. looks like crap. Right. But, but I get it because you need to be, the way that the rules play, like you have to be fully within these things. And yeah. if you glue, the, the old Citadel Woods, and they have a new kit coming out. I don't know if you saw that or not. That was what I was leading to. Yeah. They, it's just impossible. You can't do it. So it's it, it caused a lot of problems. And like, it was dumb because you could like, circle somebody in you're like oh i summon all these trees now you can't leave your own deployment zone you're like wow this is fun yeah so it was really stupid uh from a rules perspective and again instead of making a new tree kit you could have just said you can move the trees <laughs> but you know what yeah. do i know uh the new tree kit i haven't seen it in real life but it looks like the trees are way taller yeah and there's more space so that you know a tree man can walk through the, the forest i believe right <laughs> which would yeah. be cool um because, yeah, that is, I mean, like, trying really to silly. trying to, to use the Games Workshop Citadel trees and playing it, so it's a nightmare. The, well, the, the models don't fit. They the, fall the off. The crazy thing is, is you were supposed to go, the way the rules worked, and I don't, I, again, I don't know why people are so rigid, mm -hmm. just house rule it so it didn't work this way, but again, you know, what do I know? Yeah. You had to go up to the tree over and, like, up it over and down. Yeah. I'm like, that's so silly. A big monster could just crash through the trees, but again, whatever, yeah. not a big deal. So it looks like they're addressing it. And uh, that was kind of like the big thing about Sylvaneth mm -hmm. um, that made it difficult to like play against and kind of play with because mm -hmm. you had to bring all these tree sets and stuff. It's a little silly. Yeah. But uh, they're also showing off a lot of the new rules because Sylvaneth are an army that, that were doing really good when they initially came out and they kind of like petered out a little bit. Um, and let's take a look at some of the rules that they're uh, previewing. Oh, can you refresh your page, please? I put them, uh, I re-updated the order of these. Um, but the first one is is uh, navigate the realm routes, and this is kind of like the signature. Besides summoning forests, this is kind of like one of the signature moves of the Sylvaneth. So <clears throat> this rule is instead of making a normal move in your movement phase, one friendly Sylvaneth unit wholly within six inches of an awakened wildwood can navigate the realm routes, and then you put them within six inches of a different wildwood more than nine inches away from enemy movement. Mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, enemy units. This lets you fly around the table with your units. This was yeah. like this is like the the, the secret sauce to what makes Sylvaneth such a thinking man's army because you're summoning these woods uh, around the table and then you can use them to move and it allows you to be super mobile. Yeah. Like th this is kind of like the defining characteristic of Sylvaneth, which is cool. Yeah, and it, it, they changed it. It used to have to roll, remember? You would have to roll it on a one. Nothing, yeah, you, you got you like you got you tripped over your feet and you couldn't move. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So now it's just automatic. You don't roll for it. You just automatically. I, I, and I can't remember, but I believe you put you spend a command point to do it. But I, I could totally be wrong. Yeah, I'm that I'm not sure of. It makes sense that yeah. that would be the way it works. Uh, the next one, Virtuous Harmony, uh, is a spell with a casting value of seven. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Sylvaneth unit wholly within 18 inches of the caster and visible to them you can return one slain model to that unit if you pick a unit of uh, dryads tree revenants or spite revenants those are all the tree the little tree people mm -hmm. uh up to d3 are returned instead of one so uh pretty cool you know you can uh and that was already a thing i don't know why well you they... can re you can replace like a kernoth hunter or something like well no that. i know but that that was already a spell so i'm not sure why they're focusing on it but yeah, they're just showing yeah. like good the wood elves or the, the sylvaneth have always been about like Mm -hmm. life magic like right. you know healing and stuff like that uh here's another one regrowth this one's really good uh it's only casting value five it's easy to cast if successfully cast pick one friendly sylvaneth unit wholly within 18 inches of the caster invisible to them and you heal <clears> d6 <throat> wounds that's awesome for like treemen yeah 
right? Like super duper good. Um, you can keep them alive and kicking and, and punching for longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, another one is called Throne of Vines. This one is casting value five, also really easy to get off. If successfully cast, add two to the casting rolls for the caster until the caster moves or is set up in a different location. So pretty obviously what you do with this one, first right away, cast it on yourself. And then for the rest of the, the game, as long as you don't move, you get plus two to cast, which means you're healing on a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're bringing guys back to life and you do it on a five. It's really good. It's good if you have like a... Um you know, you have like a core, like, like Kurnoth Hunters, right? Like if you're, you set them up, you're like, this is going to be like, they're going to fire at everything with their bows. You put this caster near them and like every time they take a wound or they lose a model, you just bring them back. Yeah, exactly. And it's just all game long. Yeah. They would have to wipe the whole unit. And Kurnoth Hunters are the, the, are the medium sized tree, tree men with bows. They're really good. Very good. And we'll, we'll, yeah. there's buffs coming up that make them even better. So uh, the next spell, Verdant Blessing, uh, it's a casting value of six. If successfully cast, set up one awakened wildwood wholly within 24 inches of the caster, more than one inches away from any uh, other model terrain feature or objective. And that's kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about. This is kind of like the signature strategy of the Sylvaneth is that you're creating these trees and then you're using the trees to navigate around the table mm-hmm. very, very quickly, which it really helps because these armies tend to be uh, low model count. Mm-hmm. It really helps you to get board control with an army that would otherwise be difficult to do that. Yeah. So uh, the next up, talking about uh, a malicious tormentors. And this is an ability mm-hmm. for Deadwood Spite Revenants. Uh, and this is when you start getting into the different glades, which are like their chapter tactics, so to speak. So this one, it lets you reroll hit rolls of ones for Spite Revenants. Spite Revenants are, again, this, those smaller, like half elf, half tree people. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Rerolls are always good. Next one up, Horn of the Consort. And this one is for Heartwood, which is, again, it's like a chapter tactic. Uh, they're called Glades. Mm-hmm. Kurnoth Hunters. Uh, you can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by friendly Kurnoth Hunters wholly within 12 inches of the bearer of the Horn of Consort. That's super good. Yes. Super good. So your archers that hit on fours now are rerolling hits. Right. And that, that was the biggest drawback for the, the Kurnoth Hunters was like, I think they hit on threes. They hit but- on fours. Is it fours? Yeah, oh yeah, but yeah, that, which was really bad. But they wounded on threes, right? And they were AP. They but were the fact that you would you would have like you know three shots from a unit, and yeah. then you would hit with fifty percent of them is not. It was tough. Not amazing. It was yeah. tough, but then I think they were like Ren two two damage. Very good. Damage. So yes. yeah, they did a lot of damage. But yeah. this this makes them absolutely dead. And this can be several units of Kurnoth hunters. Yep. So like <laughs> here's good. like a good combo that writes writes itself. Pro tip. You take a, a wizard with the, this horn, assuming that the wizard can take it, mm-hmm. and uh, you plant that next to a couple units of Kurnoth Hunters with bows, um, and then you don't move. You cast that spell on yourself for plus two to cast, and then you heal the Kurnoth Hunters while also buffing their accuracy. Yeah, It writes itself, right? Very good. Yeah, really good. The next one, our roots run deep. Uh, subtract two. This one is gnarly. This is for Oakenbrow. Yeah. Subtract two from the number of wounds suffered by Oakenbrow spirits of Durthu, Tree Lord Ancients, or Tree Lords when determining which row of their damage table to use to a minimum of zero. So um, it's not crazy, but it's good. It just, because in, in Age of Sigmar, remember, you'd start degrading rapidly. Mm-hmm. This basically bumps you up one um, tier. Yeah. So that you don't you don't count as being degraded as much. So it's it's really nice. And again, you combo that with some of the healing abilities, and it's going to keep your tree lord, tree lord, ancient, or Durthu, 
uh, operating at max uh, capacity for a much longer period of time. Uh, next one up, Glade Lore. Uh, add one to casting rules for this journal while it is wholly within six inches of an awakened wildwood. And uh, pretty clearly, you combine that with the spell to uh, increase your casting rules by two. Very good. Now you're plus three to cast. It's almost guaranteed to get your spells. Mm -hmm. uh, Luna's Lamp. Add two to the roll when the bearer attempts to unbind or dispel an endless spell. Amazing. Yeah. So their spells are going to be really reliable. And then the bonuses to cast also mean it's harder to dispel you. Right? Like if you're plus three to cast, it's going to make it way more difficult for your opponent to shut you down. Uh, next one is Dread Harvester. You can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by melee weapons by this general if the general made a charge move in the same turn. Uh, obviously, Twin Linked is huge because in Age of Sigmar, a lot of times people are hitting on fours, threes. Right. It's pretty rare people hit on twos. Uh, and then the Greenwood Gladius. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons, add two to the attack's characteristic of that weapon if the bearer made a charge move in the same turn. Yeah. So in the article, they talk about like taking like a, uh, like a tree lord or whatever. Tree lords would be fantastic. Because they 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 do like D6 damage or even maybe like flat, like four or five damage, something, something crazy. No, Durthu does flat six damage right. on his highest tier. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know if Durthu can take all of these, but let's just assume that he can. Right. So if you took the uh, ability... If you take this on the charge, Drithu's going to be rerolling his hits. He hits on threes, I believe. And he's going to get plus two attacks. He can kill a whole unit by himself with ease. Yeah, because remember, damage spills over right. in Age of Sigmar. It's like mortal wounds. Right, which is devastating. Yeah. yeah. You can't, crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. And then, of course, with the ability to heal, uh, like Spirit of Drithu, mm -hmm. that means uh, you can keep him up in that top tier where he's doing flat six damage. And I think he can... They are wizards themselves, the Tree Lords. I can't remember if Durthu is. The Tree Lord and the Tree Lord Ancient is, is definitely right. a wizard, but I don't remember if Durthu can cast spells or not. Yeah. He's the beat stick in their list. He's really good. Yeah, he hits really uh, I love Durthu versus uh, Scarbrand. Yeah. Those are good Whoever matches. swings first wins that yeah. fight. Yeah. Great matches. I killed a whole unit of Frankie's Fire Slayers with Durthu. Right. I did tw like 24 yeah. damage it's or something. Because it just spills over. You're he like, was oh, like, I did 15 damage. You're like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Waypipes is the next one. This one is anybody who's ever played against Sylvaneth knows how annoying this is. Um, one in every five models in a unit of, it's the Tree Revenants, uh, can carry Waypipes. And basically, once per game, it lets you teleport. So what you do is you take a unit of five of these guys, you put them as far in the back corner as possible, mm -hmm. and then you wait until like you know the end of the game and they go teleport onto an objective. It's a game-winning move. Yeah. It's so easy to use. It takes one of your battle line spots. Super duper good. good. Yeah. And it's like a signature silver. And they're not bad. Move. They're not bad in combat, too. They're, they're okay. Yeah. But if you're smart, you keep this unit hidden to mm -hmm. jump on an objective to win the game. Mm -hmm. uh, Mercurial Aspect, the next one up. This is talking about um, Draika. Draika is really powerful, but this makes her even more reliable. So Draika, she vacillates between two like moods. Mm -hmm. um, and this one just gives you more options. So... Uh, at the start of the battle round, declare whether you're enraged or embittered. And then it gives you like either flutter flurries or I can't remember what the other one's called, squirmlings. And um, basically it doubles the number of attacks that you get with either one. So she used to be like like almost broken with the way she would uh, do mortal wounds like on a three up to every model in the unit. Yeah. And it remains to be seen if they fix that. I hope they did. I always forget about that model. Yeah, because like you're, you'll play against her. You're like, oh, I have 30 models. She's like, oh, 20 of them are dead. You're like, what? Yeah. But that's Age of Sigmar for you. It's a little, mm -hmm. little wacky and wild at times. And then our last two, uh, the next one, Ground Shaking Stomp. Um, this is one of the Tree Lord's signature moves. It got changed a little bit. At the start of combat, pick one enemy unit within three inches of this model, roll a dice, and four up that unit fights at the end of the combat phase 
um, after everyone else has been chosen to fight. That's really, really good in Age of Sigmar because you always alternate mm -hmm. uh, melee. Yeah. Uh, and then Sundering Strikes, the last one. If an unmodified wound roll for an attack made with a Kurnoth Greatsword is six, that inflict, in, attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to any other normal damage. And uh, again, that's the Kurnoth Hunters mm -hmm. uh, equipped with swords. Yeah. It increases their damage a little bit because typically speaking, you are seeing people taking other weapon options. Yeah. So pretty cool. So lots of fun and exciting stuff. Uh, Sylvaneth is a popular faction. I have no doubt that when they get leveled up, they're going to remain so, if not increase mm -hmm. the popularity. Uh, let's see if anybody has any ideas or questions in the chat. Rad Bully says, Treebeard can go anywhere he wants all the time. Lord of the Rings is better than Age of Sigmar. Wow. Can you put? Can you have Treebeard in your Sylvaneth list? Do you play as an ally? Lord of the Rings with your dad. Who? Rad Bully in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> that's become uh, a thing. That's funny. Stiffneck Studios says it's the latest mix of old school uh, wood elf magic and life magic. Yeah, it is. It's definitely harkening back to that. It's a cool army. It's just it doesn't have a lot of <laughs> options. You, oh, have, you have the different variation of Kurnoth Hunters. You have the Dryads. The tree people. You have a couple tree men. Yep. Different versions. One of them is a character. You have a, a wizard, which is that uh, the Dryad wizard. Yeah. Oh, you have, well, it's the and branch you, And you have Alarial. And, and Alarial is one of the most and awesome models ever. God. So there's, I don't know. It just it doesn't seem like much. You don't see a lot when you see these armies. Like maybe we'll see some new kits come out. I doubt it. Well, they did. They did um, release that new wizard. And they have new endless. Was, they have new endless spells. Yeah, too. which was in the um, that that box that they came. And out. we're getting the new tree, so there is new models. Oh well, yeah. You know, is the tree uh, the free terrain kit that everybody gets? Uh, no, you summon them for them. Okay. Enigma Hobbies, what's up, guys? Excited to see you at Slaughterfest. Hope Team Zero Comp does well. Hey, we're excited to see you too. And um, yeah, can't wait. All right, team kill team stream. I do not know that off the top of my head, buddy. I'm I'm sorry. You gotta email us, buddy. I don't have the I don't have all that number, that data in front yeah. of me. All right, let's jump back over to the notes. <laughs> all right. So uh, SoCal Open is only three months away, and it's going to be the biggest SoCal Open yet by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Very excited to see everybody. So please make sure to grab those tickets, and we will be gaming with you by the beach, not on the beach. Down by the beach. By the beach, man. Yeah. Get some steel drums going. We should get somebody to come and play steel drums. <laughs> that would that? actually be really cool. And some, some like hula girls. That's that's not really. I mean, yeah. why not? Some authentic Hawaiian. Do a do a, uh, some, some, a pig roast. Yeah, some steel drums from Hawaii. I think that would <laughs> be great. And some hula girls from uh, Guatemala. Yeah, I think I think that's we're onto something now. Culturally, having accurate. a roast a roast pig would be great. That'd be great. A couple roast pigs. Mm. Yeah, gamers are hungry hungry people. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Please, uh, please join us. It's going to be fun. And for those of you hunting ITC points, well, there's a lot to get. Yeah. All right. What's new and cool in the ITC? And as always, if you like the ITC, you like what it's about, you think it's improved your hobby experience, you want it to see, to see it continue to grow and thrive, please consider supporting our Patreon. You can do so for as little as a dollar a month. At the higher levels of subscription, we offer all kinds of fun stuff. So, uh, please, if you've got, uh, uh, if you've got the means and you want it to help support it and can you continue to see it grow and improve and do bigger and cooler things, consider supporting the Patreon. Yeah. 100% of the money goes back into the ITC. All right. Upcoming 40K ITC events this next weekend. We've got events all around the world, as is pretty typical at this point in time. We do have a GT, the hometown 40K in Edmonton, uh, Alberta, Canada. 
We have a major, the Warzone Houston 2019 event, and obviously in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And of course, the one and only American Team Championships in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. It says East Ridge, but uh, maybe it's in a different town. I always thought it was in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, of course, is going to be a blast. Uh, good luck to my team, Team Zero Comp, going. I gave up my spot this year to a junior, Aflihi, who is uh, number 10 in the ITC overall. He's been having a great season. Yeah. So he's going to go. And uh, I, I think we, I think our team has a good chance of winning this year. We have a really, really stacked Yeah, Frankie's crew. there. Frankie in control, uh, Ray Jr. and uh, uh, Rage Mode Carmona. Yeah, that's the enforcer. You know how like <laughs> every every like hockey team, he's yeah, goon every hockey, hockey team. team has the guy that'll just go up and slug somebody in the face. That's James Carmona. won't actually punch you in the face. No, he might. So just you know, keep that in the back of your head when you're playing zero comp. <laughs> So good luck to everybody going to the ATC. It's going to be exciting to see who comes out on top. Upcoming Age of Sigmar ITC events in the month of July. So I have quite a few. Ooh. We have a GT, obviously, the American Team Championships going on. Uh, there's a major RIND 4 uh, battle across the realms. And that is in a place. Somebody who ever put that At on the Battlegrounds Game Center. Didn't put the state on there. No, but, but you can you can click, on, click the on the link. Click on the link yeah. and you'll find it. Yeah. Click the link, dummy. Yes. That's what I say when people call. Yeah. Click the link, man. Yeah. That's yeah. how they say it in Hawaii. <laughs> Stay iry, brada. I think that's how it's Right, said. Mariana? The shotgun? Are we nailing it? Yeah. Uh, there's another GT, uh, BWG, Summer Slaughter, Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament, and that's in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. And the Forge of Souls GT 2019 in Spokane Valley, Washington. Nice. It's nice to see more larger events yeah. happening. It's great. A lot of people don't share my view of Age of Sigmar. <laughs> Thankfully. That's good. I, so Age of Sigmar is a lot of fun. It's just, it has balance issues. It's just the mo the models are amazing. Yeah. Every army looks amazing. It's fun. It's just, I, can, I cannot get over some of the rules. There's just so like a holdover from the, the no rules time, time period. Yeah. And, what's, and it's funny too, because like people still have the sacred cow kind of thing going on. Like we were talking yeah. about with the trees and it's like, it's so obvious. Just make it so that you can move through the dumb trees and it's no longer an issue, mm. right? Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a game that's still maturing. Yeah. Uh, top five ITC. Current, uh, Jim Vessel continues to lead the pack. TJ Lanigan nipping out of seals. It's TJ, getting close. TJ just won another event. Uh, so it is really close. What are they both? They, they both must be going to the major tournaments. They're the going to the year. tons of events. Right. When... When it's your year to make a run at it, people go to like every event. TJ and Jim should really try to like get on each other's flights and stuff. And just stare and at each just, other. Yeah, and just shadow each other. We need a, a stare down video. They already have the same list, so. <laughs> well. <laughs> they also both have a snappy sense he, of style. He doesn't like that. Yeah, Jim doesn't like that. Um, yeah, too bad. Uh, they are snappy. We need, we need, uh, we need like a, hip. a UFC style stare down video. They're young, hip, handsome dudes. Jason's Hunky. single, by the way. <laughs> you can find him on uh, Tinder. Growler. It's a banana lover. I don't. Uh, just, I, <laughs> that's the growler. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the best growler name ever. People are like, what's growler? Banana lover uh, 216. Yeah. Anyways, that is funny that the two um, are just neck and neck like this. It's funny. Yep. Like, it's, I love watching it. I like watching um, the, the back and forth. Um, you know, through social media as well. Oh, it's great. This is the best year so far. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and in third place, Richard Siegler uh, playing Tau. He's close. We can't forget about Richard Siegler, too. He is, like, he's, he's really close. Else, yeah. And uh, his Tau list is absolutely brutal. He did quite well with it at the BAO. So that's going to be an exciting uh, uh, race down the home stretch. And then we've got Chris Blackham has jumped into fourth place and Manny Chima out of the UK holding strong in fifth. This well, also has been yeah. the, the year where we've had the, the most changes in the top 10 almost week to week. Yeah, they're now because people these people are all getting after it. Jim has been sitting there on the throne for yeah. quite a while, but uh, it's going to be interesting, and it's 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 going to come down to the LVO because it's so tight. I wonder if Jeff because Jeff's still in the top ten. I wonder if he's just going to say, "Sorry, GW, I got to go for the ITC instead of being instead a, of being a, a, shout a, a shoutcaster." Well, we'll see. I mean, Jeff is sitting there in sixth place. Nick's in seventh. You know, it's it's yeah, it's tough. It's going to be a race race down the, to the finish. I like I like sure. how we have a couple new names on here. Yep, that's great. Yep. We do. Uh, let's take a look at the 40K ITC Hobby Track Top 5. And again, unprecedented. This has never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never had somebody be the top of both. And if Jim double crowns this year, that's going to be yeah. quite the accomplishment. And he has a huge lead. He's got a 210-point lead yeah. over second place Paul Winters. Uh, the former ITC Hobby Track champion, Lou Rollins, sitting pretty in third. Mm-hmm. Andrew Ford in fourth. Jason Beard in fifth. And we have... Uh... Some good news on the hobby front that Jim Vessel's uh, army was found intact yep. at the airport. Yep. So the the theory, the, the hot theory was that TJ had uh, had Tanya Harding Tim. Yeah. And, and instead of hitting him with a pipe in the knee, just stole the army. he just stole the army. He's like, well, you can't win if you don't have an army, right? It's good thinking. Yeah. It's good thinking. I but, like the uh, initiative to take him there. <clears throat> but no. Allegedly. No. no it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it didn't even slow him down, no. you know, not having the army for a week. So. So, yeah. Awesome that he got that back. Um, it, uh, the the airport reached out to him and contacted him, which I guess that's a, a that's good a, lesson. Put your name and your phone number on your army bag. Yeah. Like I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't do that. If and someone d- found mine, they'd have no because idea. Because somebody, you know, in real talk, somebody saw him walk away from the bag. Stole and, and it. Took it and looked then looked at, at it, it in and the and bathroom. Goes, what the hell was like, what was this? Yeah. <laughs> which, which usually, I mean, like when people break into cars, and they steal your army cases because they look like like photo photography bags oh, or gun do cases. Never ever put your army in a gun case. Yeah, like people every, will steal it immediately. Like, I would say eighty percent of the stories I've heard of somebody getting their army stolen. Yeah, it's because they had their army in a gun case. Right, and then it's usually in, in a dumpster nearby. Yeah, because somebody's gonna look it. They're gonna break into your Laugh. car. That's what happened. And, and so luckily though that this person didn't take it out of the airport. They probably looked in the bathroom. And they're like, "What the hell is this?" And just left it yeah. and then went. So, but there, uh, that's we don't usually hear these kind of uh, good news stories. And so. I'm actually, it's surprising because if they stole the bag or maybe like someone picked it up, because usually at the airport, they, they destroy your bag if you leave it, if they just left right. somewhere because they're afraid it might be a bomb. Right. So at any rate, uh, let's take a look at the, uh, the Sigmar current top five. All we care about. The duh, the... To Jersey Kid, hanging tough, Matt Pashby, 710 he's, points. He is also getting after it. Every time I talk to Matt, he's like traveling to some event. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, I guess they don't need him on the oil rigs in Jersey because he's <laughs> spending all of his He didn't work on the oil rigs in Jersey. He worked on them in like the Gulf Coast or oh, something. Okay. But uh, Matt is, this is his, his year to, to take it all. Yeah. He's really going for it. Uh, he wants his name uh, in the in the history books mm-hmm. as one of the top Age of Sigmar players. So he's looking pretty good. If he wins it, I will wear, for a month, I will wear a shirt celebrating Frankie his victory. Valley. No, no, his victory. <laughs> for a month? I'll make a shirt with Matt's face on it. <laughs> and I'll say number one, ITC Age of Sigmar. You hear it here And I'll first? wear it on the podcast, not every day in my life. You, you should. So Matt, that's, that's your reward. 
Oh well, now oh. it's now it's a thing. Uh, second place, Dutch Adams. Third place, Jeremy Vessier. Fourth, Alex Gonzalez. And fifth, Matt Beasley. Well done. Going at the uh, hobby track, uh, still waiting for this to catch fire, and I'm sure it will in time. Got Ricky Fisher sitting in first place, Philip Verduzco in second, Natasha Thomas in third, Rich Waters in fourth, Matt Beasley also on the hobby track in fifth. You know, I have a really good feeling about 2020 for. Uh, <laughs> it took time. It took time for 40k too. The, the hobby right? track. Like it's it's yeah. a lot of people don't understand how it works, and that's fine. Right. It just takes time. Uh, Shadespire current top five, first place Tony Field. Second place, Jonathan Colson. Third place, Philip Santamaria. Fourth place, Kevin Cruz. And fifth place, Ivan Cho. When's the next big Kill Team event? Will it be SoCal Open or is it going to be Nova, probably? Um, yeah, I think Nova's got a no, Nova's got a big Kill Team right. deal. Nice. And uh, Shadespire, I'm pretty sure they have a pretty, pretty Same good thing. size yeah. event. Yeah. Uh, and then your Kill Team current top five, the one and only Michael T. Holy. Hanging in there. Just rocking it. He's winning by he's got a big lead. Well he's uh, he's got the big man behind him, so that's true. How can you how can you You can't compete with that? You can't. Uh Ryan Hebb sitting pretty in second place, Georgie Garnett in third, Alex Grinton in third, and Frank Del Delicus in fifth. Delicus. That's probably how you say it. Mm. Delicus. Okay, tactics corner. So the topic of the day is gonna be chaos nice, but before we get there. Last week on the podcast, I goofed a rule. I'm sorry. I was saying that you could take Hellforge Rapier batteries uh, with Chaos Space Marines and count for Red Corsairs to get the bonus CP. Mm -hmm. You could, but they FAQ'd it. I am wrong. Did they FAQ it when they heard the podcast? They, I, I would like to imagine that they did. But They're no. like, oh, hold on. Somebody spit their coffee out. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> All over their computer screen. What? They had like they a hit button. The, they had like the a red, red button. button. Yeah. It's like get people the, start running around. Get the CEO. Yeah. Andy Smiley stops doing push-ups and he's just like, All right, <laughs> get me the president. He gets on the phone. Pete throws his guitar yeah. down. Stops being that's, handsome. I, I would imagine that that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. Pete just stops looking at himself in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, being a handsome British man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, you can't do that anymore. Wah, wah. Mm, yeah. So the 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 tactical topic and the topic of the show. Chaos Nice, what their impact is going to be on the meta. A lot of people are wringing their hands. There's gnashing of meta teeth. Meta changing. There's wailing. I like that, though. It wouldn't be a 40K release without You thrive wailing. on chaos, I though. do. I do. I just wake up. The first thing I do in the morning is I look at the Warhammer 40K comments section, like, on their posts, and it just feeds me. <laughs> it's just the, it's just people the so angst. mad. Because it's, it's, like, it's 50%, right? It's 50%. Actually, no. I would say it's uh, 40, 40, 20. 40% of the people in the comment section are like super LARPing it. They're like, I don't care about Chaos Knights. The Morty and 15th will defeat them, sir. And they're like, do a salute. Reporting for right. duty. And then the 40% of people who are complaining about how, why don't you get the towel this thing? And then 20% are like generally positive. Just like, hey, people. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, looking forward to that. Looks good. Yeah, now war boss Grok Stomp is going to kill your knight in all orc language. Yes. In green font somehow. I love it. Every post. <laughs> you are the Joker. No. You are you are Heath Ledger the Joker. I just, I mean, it's just great. Yeah. It's a great hobby we have. It is. And great hobbyists. People make it. And they break it also. <laughs> so Chaos Knights, a lot of people are, are having a big reaction to it, which is normal. And they are going to have a big impact on the meta. Uh, I've been playing mine. I've been having an absolute blast playing my Chaos Knights. I'm really, really enjoying them. 
And uh, I've been performing extremely well with them too. Uh, they're very powerful. And mm -hmm. we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what to expect, what we think is going to happen. And if you want another really in-depth discussion on it, check out the last chapter tactics where uh, Jeff, Sean, Pablo, and myself get into it pretty deeply. Oh, you don't have any notes here. Yeah, well, it's a discussion, bro. Oh, can you okay. not read the notes? I can read this one note. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand the <laughs> operative word in, in that sentence is discuss? Sure. So uh, I've been trying out lots of different options mm -hmm. and wanted to talk about some of the stuff that we think is be really cool. Um, predominantly what my, my prediction is, is that you're going to see a, a knight detachment mm -hmm. with a one Questorus class knight and two war dogs. And the reason I say that is if you want to get the infernal or um, uh, iconoclast buffs, you have to, you, you can't do it in a auxiliary detachment. Okay. So it's, a, it's the same as getting the command points in for Imperial. It's pretty, so you have to have the three knights. You have to have three. Yeah. And the war dogs are like the, the, the armagers in Imperial are, they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. they're, they're pretty good, but the chaos ones are actually really strong, especially mm -hmm. the war dog, the melee war dog. He's really, really good. And yeah. I'll, I'll talk about why. What I've kind of settled on for my specific list is uh, I'm taking a shooty Iconoclast Knight mm -hmm. because Iconoclast is really good for shooting. And I'm taking one uh, war dog with auto cannons, one melee war dog. And I really enjoy, I've really been enjoying playing it. Um, the plus one attack and AP from Iconoclast, it really helps the melee war dog. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the all the different various buffs for shooting and defense that you mm -hmm. get with Iconoclast really helps the, the Questorus. Um, I'm sticking with a double battle cannon version. I know that's really not popular, but I've been doing the math on it and I've been- uh, Just on the average number of shots. Yeah, like and... the Gatling cannon is the mathematically superior gun, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But the battle can in my specific list, the battle cannons give me what I, I want. Right. Because I, I also take a demon detachment with triple blood letter bomb and I have melee characters. So I what I really need is the ability to clear screens, which the Gatling cannon version is better at. Mm -hmm. the, the, the battle cannon, I've done the math several times. Now it's swingy because of the random number of shots. Yeah. But uh, a double battle cannon knight with an um, the iron storm missile pod, which gives you an extra D6 shots. On average dice, it's almost as good at clearing screens as the double battle uh, double avenger cannon um, version versus mm -hmm. a t3 which is the most common screen it's damn near as good it's very close um but he's way better at killing vehicles yeah so and i and that's what i need i need someone who can sit back the 72 inch range is huge for me i can kill vehicles i can kill monsters i can kill infantry mm -hmm. and then if i and then with all the different vowels that our kind of class gives it allows me to to adapt and so I think a lot of people are going to go down that road, right? But for me, I've got so much aggressive elements in my list. I don't need the knight to do that. He kind yeah. of comes into cleanup. But for people who are going to play more aggressively with their knights, right, where they're going to have maybe like three knights and three disco lords or three knights and a, a, a Nurgle detachment, I think that you're going to see more people gravitating towards Infernal mm -hmm. because Infernal is definitely, in my opinion, better in melee and the... the, the the linchpin stratagem is the ability to regain wounds when you're in melee. It's yeah. huge. It's so good. I just played it against Frankie's Gene Sealer Colt last night, and it was amazing. My one infernal melee night, where I took a one gun, and, one, and uh, it was like a warden version. Mm -hmm. The guy is a beast. He is an absolute beast. He was killing stuff left and right, regenerating wounds. The only problem is I ran out of CP. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're going to go down that road, I think Infernal is going to be really popular. The stratagem that makes uh, Psyker's auto perils within 12 inches is huge for an aggressive knight. 
because you run it up in there and if you could get in range and it's difficult for them to back away from him, they, you stop the psychic phase because mm-hmm. you combo that with the demon stratagem where they, they auto perils and then they take 2d3 mortal wounds. Many psychers will just die. Yeah. So it's, it's extremely strong. So um, those are the two flavors that I predict, mm-hmm. right? Is the hyper-aggressive knights to where you're counting on them to just go up the field and smash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I think you're going <clears> to <throat> see more Infernal. Or you can have the kind of more conservative sit back and shoot where I think it's going to be more iconoclast. And in that role, it's going to disrupt the meta quite a bit just because of the, the relic that lets you ignore negative modifiers to hit. Yeah. Right? So you have a double battle cannon knight ignoring modifiers to hit. Someone has Eldar Flyers, you're killing a flyer a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have defensive stratagems like Vow of Dominance where you're only getting wounded on a 4+. Plus, and uh, the Iconoclast only buff of the 4-up invul save against shooting. Mm-hmm. That's going to make him a pretty tough nut to crack. Right. Yeah, because the cool thing is, even if you're playing Eldar, and so and you have the four up involved versus shooting, and then they jinx you, you just rotate ion shields, go back to a four, mm-hmm. right? And then if they have uh, against Eldar, you don't need the vow of dominance because their their guns are usually strength eight or lower. Um, but you can take the vow of beast slayer, which lets you reroll um, ones to wound. Yeah. Now your battle cannons are are just smoking <clears throat> those flyers, mm-hmm. and you're relatively tough. To, to them. It's going to be tough for them to kill you. Yeah. So uh, it's, 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 it's really going to shake things up in that regard. Um, and then the melee ability of the knights, like things like orcs and stuff, like one tricked out chaos melee knight can kill like all of your opponent's orc boys by itself. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how good they are in melee. Yeah. Um, now, if, you know, the orcs <clears throat> have the shock attack gun, which can smoke him in one shot, but it's, you know, it's very fluky. Um, and then if, you know, another person I was talking to was like, oh, but Ludus can, can drop them. And I was like, well, you take the Dreadblade Pact to ignore AP1. And now the Ludus are not nearly as scary. Yeah. Especially if you can get a cover safe. So let's uh, answer some questions in chat too, because I know a lot of people are in there talking about it. Jim Vessel. Uh, yeah, but Jinx and Doom, GG. I don't agree, Jim. Because again, like I said, if, if you're an Iconoclast Knight, you can still get your four up invul save. Uh, Doom definitely makes it a little bit more challenging. But... Um, I don't, I don't think it's quite as easy as that because I think what you're going to be seeing frequently too is uh, demons paired with knights. Yeah. And you're going to be able to, to cover a lot of ground with play bears. I think just, I mean, in general, yeah, there's going to always be combos that are going to be good against any kind of new release. But like the what this is giving to chaos players is huge. Yeah. It's huge. It's like, you know, exactly like Imperium players are using knights right now, right? Like for me personally, you know, you use the knights to plug holes in your list. Like, you know, wherever you, you know, if you're a very shooty list, but you need some some good melee, you have knights. If you're a melee list, you know, and you need good shooting, you have knights. Like you have knights just to plug in yep. no matter what for every little thing that you need in your list. Now Chaos has that as well. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of demon lists with knights because all of a sudden you have this amazing shooting. Yeah. You know? Well, the other thing that I've been doing too is... But yeah, there's for- always going to be something that's like... Well, what about this? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a guarantee, of course, but like mm-hmm. in my list, for example, um, it's a corn themed army, so I'm not taking any psychers, but I take psychic defense. Mm-hmm. I have Karnak. Uh, Karnak gets to deny the witches and uh, he's always in front of my knights. Mm-hmm. So like, if, for example, if a Eldar player is going to try and get Jinx Doom, the only way they're going to get that on my knight is if they're within range of Karnak. Yeah. Like, unless you really get out uh, maneuvered. Um, and another one you could do too is to take like a Chaos Space Marine detachment and take uh, uh, World Eaters or, or take a mixed Heretic Astartes detachment. Mm-hmm. Have one World Eaters um, uh, character in there or unit 
so that you have the four plus to deny the witch, which if you're willing to sink two CP into it, has a 75% chance of stop, stopping a critical power like Jinx or Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jinx, you can just let it go. You don't even care. If you have the four up in Volsave, you're like, sure, I'll just rotate Ion Shields. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then you save it to try and stop Doom. So it's, it's not a guarantee. Like there's no assurance that they're going to get that combo off right but you're almost <laughs> guaranteed to blow up one of their flyers a turn mm-hmm. um and then you've got all your ground units trying to kill their ground units to get boots on the ground yeah so i think it's going to be a tough fight for eldar it's not a it's not an auto lose by any means at all mm-hmm. but it's going to be tough it's not as easy as just saying jinx doom well yeah they've got some counters for that right and now i feel like you can play like if you wanted to play a pure chaos space marines list where like i'm taking chaos space marine squads you know, you're doing that kind of stuff. Like now, it's 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 more viable. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm going to take a knight because I need the shooting, or I need the melee from the from the knights or the warhound guys, the war dogs. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think it's just we're going to see even more lists out there, different variations of lists. Yeah. That's the best thing about this is that we're going to now, it's even more that we're going to see. You know, yeah, I agree. Which is so exciting. Why it's so exciting every time we have a new release in this edition. I just love the way they look too. Like it's it's so much fun, and I'm so tempted. <clears throat> my one of the things I was tempted to do was take one iconoclast detachment, one infernal detachment, and go all melee, go all shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like there's gonna be fun, creative stuff like that. Yeah. And the real strength of the Chaos Knights is in, in the chat, Jim and uh, Valerie um, uh, Radbuli. A couple of people are talking about it. One of the the biggest strengths of Chaos Knights because they don't have nearly as many options as Imperial is the fact that you can basically customize it on the fly, game by game. Mm-hmm. Um, like. What I do is, is I take a Chaos Space Marine. Right now I'm running a Red Corsair's detachment for the extra CP. And uh, I make my Warlord in that detachment mm-hmm. um, and get the free relic there and all that fun stuff. But um, I, I keep my Chaos Space Marine or my, my Chaos Knight detachment because one of them automatically becomes a character if you have a, uh, the Lance, the Knight Lance rule. Uh, and then I can pick the relic and Warlord trait. I usually don't even take a Warlord trait, honestly. They're, uh, and with Infernal, you almost always do, but for mm-hmm. Iconoclast, you don't need it. I'll pick my Warlord trait and my Dreadback, my, my, or I'm sorry, my Relic, my Dreadback, Dreadblade packs mm-hmm. on the fly, and you, it's, <clears throat> you're really flexible to adjust to what your opponent's doing. Like right. like I was saying, you're playing Ludas. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'm going to take the, the Ignore AP1, yeah. right? Um, oh, I'm playing against other knights, so I'm going to be re-roll all... Mm-hmm. I can reroll hits against characters in Titanic, yeah. and then I'm going to reroll ones to wound against things with eight wounds or more. Oh, I'm playing against a horde. Oh, well, I'm going to take the Vow of Carnage for right. for every ten models I kill, I get an extra attack. Mm-hmm. As I was saying on Chapter Tactics in a test game against Frankie's Genius Killer Cult, by turn I think it was three or four, my knight had twenty four attacks in melee, and we stopped counting. I was getting more, but we stopped counting because anything he charged, he killed. Mm-hmm. And then I took the the Dreadblade pack <clears throat> packed for uh, demonic vigor and I rolled up plus one weapon skill. So I was hitting on twos. My, my shooting knight was better than a knight gallant in melee. Yeah. Right. It's that, that's the strength of the chaos knights is they're so flexible, so adaptable mm-hmm. um, that you can really get what you want out of them. And the war dogs I've been so impressed with, right? Like they're, they're, they're just super fun to play. Very good. Um, and then, you know, going in with five attacks on a, um, a melee war dog with a sweep attack that are mm-hmm. AP three, that is no baloney. Yeah. Or five big ones at AP four. Like you're hitting a knight doing three damage a pop when they don't get to save at all. So really, really good. Um, and then a fun one that we've been talking about too, on chapter tactics, we were discussing uh, the knight tyrants, mm-hmm. which are the big ones. <clears throat> and uh, it was an interesting conversation because 
we all kind of came into it a little negative because they don't there's like nothing for them they can't use the ignore modifiers the hit strat mm -hmm. there's like not really anything aimed specifically at them i mean there's a couple of cool combos like if you take the dreadblade pact to reroll hits against characters it makes the uh character killing missile the um shield breaker mm -hmm. missile and they have the strat that lets them do the stupid baloney where you can shoot yeah. on the table it makes it way way more reliable mm -hmm um so that's something to consider but the one that we had talked about that sounded actually really really strong is you take the knight valiant version uh for chaos you run him as infernal mm -hmm. um that's the one with the flamer harpoon etc yeah. you run him as infernal you take uh, uh the the demonic surge table no matter what you roll on that table it's really good if you get plus two inches movement amazing they only move 10 now mm -hmm. they're moving 12. And then if you take Demonic Vigor as a Dreadblade Pact, you could be moving 14 inches, which is huge. That means you could be shooting that Flamer on turn one when normally you're not going to. Mm -hmm. um, if you roll the plus one Toughness going to T9, doesn't need any explanation. Uh, if you roll plus one Strength and Damage on one of your weapons, now your Flamer Strength 8, 3 damage. Yeah, that's brutal. That is nasty. I was yep. doing the math on it. In many instances, it's better than the Relic Flamer for Imperium, which gives you reroll wounds. Mm -hmm. You actually end up doing more damage uh, against multi multi wound units. Uh, it's actually really really good. Um, and then if you uh, for demonic vigor, if you roll plus one uh, weapon skill, you're now hitting on threes. Mm -hmm. And if you roll plus one ballista skill, it's also amazing because the the knight valiant is often shooting all the melt guns, all the battle cannons, right. the shield breaker missiles now hitting on a two, mm -hmm. the harpoons hitting on a two. Like yeah. no matter what you do, it's all good. Right. So I could see the, the Knight Tyrant Valiant version mm -hmm. with the Infernal household <clears throat> being really, really strong, especially with the ability to, to regenerate wounds, to shut down the psychic phase if you get into range. And then, of course, you can always try to get him back up after he's dead. Yeah. So I, I can see that being a really powerful combo. And then that's, that's another thing that people are going to have to think about, too, when you see that across the table from you. Uh, we'll jump in and, and hear a little bit more what chat has to say, because it's a pretty expansive um, topic uh, in the chat. People are saying, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can take relics and traits to decide game by game. Yeah. The only thing that's decided on your list, guys, and this is raw. This isn't like an IT, a lot of people say it's ITC rules. Not. Nah, it's just in the rule book. Your free relic has to be on your list. That's it. If you take any um, vigilist attachment, any specialist attachments, you have to put that on your list as well. But everything else you choose on the fly. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people are like, oh, you have to decide before the, the game starts. I mean, that's not in the rule book at all. Right. Uh, but a lot of tournaments do play it that way for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I personally find it so much more enjoyable to be able to pick as you go. Uh, it's way more fun. The free relic you have to pick, the warlord trait, you do not have to pick. You decide that game by game. Mm -hmm. uh, Blank Wizard <coughs> says, question, can Chaos Knights deal with the Imperial Guard troop spam list? They are hyper-equipped to do it. Uh, if you really want to make a lawnmower against infantry, you take a double Gatling cannon, iconoclast chaos knight, you give him the vow of carnage, and that guy will, like, he'll run through every infantry model on the table. It's insane. It's ludicrous how much mm -hmm. damage the guy can do. Yeah. Because, you know, you'll, your first time you shoot your guns, you could possibly get two extra attacks. Mm -hmm. And if you take the warlord trait for plus one attack, then you're, like, right out the gates... That puts you at seven, that's 21 attacks. Yeah. You could potentially be doing that on the first uh, charge phase. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Do you, uh, do you think that they meant for that to be the way that it works? Other than yeah. like when you kill models in melee, you get extra attacks. 
No, it's, it's, it's weird it's, that you would get that bonus to your melee attacks from shooting attacks. Well, the, the thing is, if you build your knight that way, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he himself is extremely vulnerable in melee to something that can kill a knight. Like yeah. Gene Stiller Colt acolytes with rock saws. Right. Will, one unit will kill him in one round. Or another knight. G man, another G man, another knight. So like he's not good at killing things that are truly scary in melee. Mm-hmm. Well, he he is if he charges him, he'll kick him to death probably. Yeah. But he is the street sweeper supreme. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing I think is going to change. It's going to have a huge impact on the horde meta, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because they are so efficient at killing the hordes, and all these armies that really rely on negatives to hit, they're going to have to rethink their game plan too, because mm-hmm. it 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 it, it <clears throat> could change the way that that goes. But we'll see. Yeah. You know, we'll see. We'll see how the community reacts to it. All right. So uh, can't wait to see what happens with Chaos Knights hit. I'm going to be bringing, bringing them to Slaughterfest. I know In Control is too. I know Kenny Boucher is bringing Chaos Knights to Slaughterfest. Ooh. A lot of people are very excited about it. So let's take a look at the past weeks for uh, 40K competitive meta breakdown. Again, thanks to 40kstats.com. The Falcon takes time out of his day to compile all this data. Uh, we had three GT or larger events this past weekend. First one, the Cleveland Chainsaw Champions. Uh, TJ Lanigan won this one. He had a mixed chaos army with horrors, plague bearers, support characters, mm-hmm. a thousand suns, <clears throat> supreme command detachment, and then kind of his little signature addition to it, Blight Lord Terminators. Can't go wrong. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, second place, Jeff Beeman played Necrons. Necrons have been getting, they've been climbing the rankings. Everybody's been saying they're bad. You got to go back and, and, and check your math because, or check your premise. There also seems to be a theme with all of these winning Necron lists, and that's the rule of three. Yep. People are taking advantage of these stratagems. It's yeah. the triple dooms they are, triple doom scythe, mm-hmm. destroyers, tomb blades. That's what you're seeing over yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. So it, it is kind of a bummer that it's kind of like, there's not a lot of different variation, but if you're a Necron player, they are doing really, really well. They mm-hmm. have been continuously climbing up in their win percentage as the Necron players are kind of finding out the, the winning mm-hmm. uh, combos. Kevin Reitz in third place with orcs, uh, a ton of grots, a ton of boys, and a ton of characters. That's been okay. the theme with orcs. Orc horde. Yeah. That's what we're seeing mm-hmm. the most with orcs is the horde like that with mm-hmm. the, the characters, shock attack guns, weird boys. Um, the the biker boss with the killer claw. Uh, that's kind of been really common. And then you've got Ben Jurek who's been doing it differently with lots of vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but typically this is what we're seeing with orcs and they're gonna have to think the hardest about dealing with chaos knights they do have their pretty much have their answer with the shock attack gun but it's mm-hmm. really it either blows them up in one shot or it does nothing to them they still have their their really good melee with the war bosses with the claws and, the, the, and the special war the the special claw like they have a couple dies, ways he dies killing a knight he'll kill a knight but he dies doing it right yeah so it's it's like trading a it's like trading a, a good rook trade though for a queen good trade because that, that's yeah. what the, he's there for he's but like oh there's your your super knight here's my super character you run him in you yeah. kill it he dies but then that was then now your army yeah. deals with the rest of their army like that's at least my opinion what has been happening it, it, yeah. you're totally right but the problem I've had in my games mm-hmm. is that when I'm playing orcs if they've got more than one knight I'm like oh what do I yeah. do to the other one that's true and then of course if the, if the other player's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to take the five up invul save in combat, and then you can rotate ion shields to mm-hmm. get a four up invul save in combat. And then uh, kill a claw war boss does not kill them. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's. Unless you just roll more, more difficult. Horribly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, indeed. It's, it's yeah. totally possible. Uh, the next event, Warzone Man, which was in uh, Manchester, United <laughs> Kingdom. Oh, no, the Isle of Man, excuse me. Yeah. 
this was in the Isle of Man, and these are the most British names. This is a manifest. These are the most British yeah. names of all time. Mark <laughs> Crumbleholm. Okay. My my name is Marcus Crumbleholm of House Crumbleholm. Yeah. And just kidding, Mark. If if you're out there, I hope you took that joke in the spirit of his intended. Uh, Ildari, uh, Twenty One Grotesques. That was interesting. Ugh. That was an interesting. That's a board control yeah. list. Three Ravagers and then Harley Haywire Jet Bikes. That is Can't, a good army. You cannot go wrong with any of that. No. Yeah. Good army. Conrad uh, Bart Bartwitzki. Bartwitzki. Polish name. Yes, indeed. Which again, can't, that's extremely British. Cannot pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot there's of a lot of Polish people. A lot in of consonants in there. Uh, Azuryani. Uh, he had a bunch of Crimson Hunters, Wave Serpents, and Jet Bikes. Kind of your standard Azuryani mm -hmm. yeah. list. And that's, of course, that's all Craft World Eldar. Alexander Heap. Uh, Imperium, you had Mech Sisters of Battle, which nice. is cool. Death Watch and Blood Angels <laughs> with Mef and a Smash Cat. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And then Gavin Heritage. Hmm. Uh, pure Admech, very cool list. 30 Catafrons <laughs> and a bunch of robots. Yep. That'll do it. I have been on the receiving end of Fury of Mars. No, he it wasn't Mars. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, using the uh, uh, Vigilist attachment to bring the Catafrons yeah. back to life. It's really good. And then we have the Allies of Convenience GT, also in Britain, also very British names. I love yep. it. Thomas Higginbottom takes it. Best name I've ever heard in my so, life. Yeah, it's the most British name I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. If his first name was Benedict, if it was Benedict Higginbottom, yeah. that guy would become the king of England. Yes. Just by default. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. I love it. Uh, orcs, again, lots of boys, lots yep. of draughts, lots of characters, and smash of guns instead of ludas. That's kind of the only variable okay. we're seeing. Uh, Anthony Chu in second place playing Eldari Air Force. Ooh, this guy, dirty boy. Dirty boy. You're a dirty boy, Anthony. Yes. Five Crimson Hunters, yeah. obviously a mix of Ezarks and not. Yeah. Two Razor Wings, two Void Raven Bombers, Ugh. Eldar Troops, and HQs. It's actually uh, it's become a meme now that uh, uh, Mike Tangney mm -hmm. kind of started this disgusting trend. Yeah. Uh, and we were like, that's the no friend force. Mm -hmm. uh, Hugh, one of the Irish players, sent a, a meme uh, yeah. about it, and they call him no friends. Or It's like, Mike, no friends Tangney. Yeah. <laughs> No friends for life. Yeah, that's the the list right there. Yeah, I that list. It's, it's just not fun to play against at all. So not yeah. fun. To it play can't against. be fun to play either. Well, if you're winning, I guess you're having a good just time. Moving flyers, anyways, whatever. But you know what? Anthony, it's very good. Anthony Chu. I'm sure you've heard this before. There's yeah. a comic book called Chu, and the main character's name is Tony Chu. Uh, it's a really good comic. I would highly recommend it. Okay. He gets. He can eat things. Yeah, there's a silver lining. There's a, a comic book named after you. Yeah. Or vice versa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that, that Air Force Army is just not fun no. at all. But, it but it's is, good. It's very good. Uh, Matt Robertson in third place with an Imperium Army. He had three Knight Crusaders, Oof. all Crast, and a Warden. Three Crusaders and a Warden. That's really good. And the Rusty 17. That is Crast, that's an interesting choice, though, because Crast really is good at single model Knight lists because... All the good stuff only would apply to one night. Indeed, yeah. I mean, the other that ones might not are still be the right. Good. He, I mean, obviously did very well, but I, I, I would rethink your, your household, buddy. Uh, you probably get a lot more out of other ones. You heard it here first. Yep. And fourth place, Enos Wilson with uh, Forces of the Hive Mind. He had a bunch of Gene Sealer Cole characters, lots of acolytes, and then this nice. was the part that was interesting: Swarm Lord and eighty Gene Sealers. <laughs> I love it. 
I love these lists where people bring spring absurd numbers of things. Well, that's the UK meta yeah. is like spam-tastic. Right. Like I still want to do my 300 Poxwalker list. That'd be amazing. That was That's a very common list over yeah. there. Like deal uh, with it. Not Poxwalkers, it's Play Bears right. and Nerdlings. But it's, it's because when I went to the LGT, I finally was able to like, why do they spam so hard mm -hmm. in the UK and European meta? Uh, and it's because of the ETC influence. Got it. So in the ETC, when it's a team style event mm -hmm. and you're you're playing to the extreme, yeah, you're trying to win the the game through matchups where it's like right. I'm taking all you know a, a million plague bearers because then I can't lose by much, right? And that kind of like spills over into the singles play, and that's mm -hmm. why you saw that. Got and it. they also tend to play battle point tournaments, which mm -hmm. again. In battle point tournaments, it doesn't even matter if you win or lose your game. You just mm -hmm. have to max your points. Got it. And that's why in some of these tournaments, you're seeing guys that lost two games that are in like fifth place. And then there's a guy that went undefeated in like eighth place. Mm -hmm. You're like, that doesn't make any no, sense. I don't like that. No, it's. it's I think it's slowly stopping. It, it is. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because you're seeing people having these debates in, in the in the UK mm -hmm. and like battle points, mate. And you're like, really think this through. Mm -hmm. Like, you're saying it's better to lose, to get high point loss than a, a close win against somebody who it's a, it's right. a very close game, which is the most fun. Mm -hmm. So two, if you have two people that are relatively equal, they get like a, they, they have a very low point win. That's worse than a high point loss. Yeah. That does not make any sense. Right. And there, a lot of them are coming around like the LGT is now right. doing it where it's win, loss, draw, and then battle points. Yeah. Good. So they're coming around, you know, they're coming around. Anyways. They still drive on the wrong side of the street. I mean, it's what true. can you do? It drives me nuts. What can you do? Uh, scroll up a little bit so I can see that rest of that. Uh, so this is the last week's performance. Number one. Uh, oh, I didn't, uh, not I didn't categorize this in order. Man. But once, I'll, I'll get it one of these days. Yeah. So Eldari, here. which is mixed. Eldar was our top performer uh -huh. in the last week, followed by Oryx. Uh -huh. Not surprising. Uh, tie for second with Chaos and Imperium. Pretty, pretty common. And mm -hmm. then after that was Necrons and Azuriani. And then uh, in the caboose, we had Admech and Forces of the Hive Mind. No Grey Knights again. Um, that's not a surprise. Still waiting for that Australian player to get on there. And then our past four-week rolling total, looking at that, we'll just take a look at the top, uh, I'll take the top 10. Okay. Uh, Imperium still leads the pack. Again, not surprising. They're the most popular faction. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, they're not winning very frequently. They've only won one event in the past four weeks. Mm -hmm. They got a lot of like third and fourth place finishes. Right. Uh, Orcs coming in second place and they're almost always winning. <laughs> Five wins, the most of any faction. Right. Uh, and then one third place faction, whoever you are, you're bringing down your faction. Uh, Tau coming in in third place with the most top finishes. Again, three wins, two second, one third, one fourth. They're doing extremely well. Tied with Chaos, and Chaos is up there too. Uh, they've gotten a big injection of power with the recent, the recent uh, supplements that have come out. And you got Azuriani in uh, third, actually, because Chaos was tied for second with Tau. And Eldari, which is uh, mixed. I'm sorry, which is... Um, oh, God, I always get that confused. Wow. Azuriani is craft rolled Eldar. Eldari is mixed Eldar. Yep. They're sitting in uh, third and fourth. And then Drukari in fifth. Mm -hmm. um, pretty good. Those Eldar, they're doing all right. They've always done pretty well. Yeah. Force of the Hive Mind in sixth, Space yep. Marines in seventh, Krons in eighth, Pure Chaos Marines in ninth, and Admech in tenth. Very nice. Yeah. Not. I think what we'll bad. see eventually is that a lot of people play Imperium 
It's just the most common army, right? right? So it's not surprising. But the, the most interesting thing will be eventually, after a good amount of time, you'll see the highest number for the least amount of um, finishes. Does that yeah. make sense? Well, so I mean, right orcs, now, orcs are doing the best, I would say, because they have the least amount of total finishes, but the highest finishes. And if you look at the percentage representation, mm -hmm. orcs, for the amount of people that are going to events and bringing orcs, they're performing extremely right. well. Because in Imperium, you're getting like a ton of people coming and right. playing that are just doing middle of the so pack. So orcs, are, I feel, are like kind of like Gene Steeler Colts, where it takes a good player to do really well with them, but good players can do really well yeah. with them. Smash because they're days. good armies, but they take finesse to play. Yeah. Horde armies are a lot like that. Again, I don't know why people aren't taking Astra Militarum pure guardless. Like they're and they really have fallen off a good. cliff. They're in really, really, yeah. really good. And I think and it just might be the thing that it's just it's not fun to build and paint and play those orbs. Because I, I know mine. the guys that we have here locally that do it do very well, but games rarely get past turn three. There's just so much going on with guard with orders. Yeah, and we need a chess clock. And shooting. Yeah. yeah but still, clock. that that is what surprises me is that we don't see Astro Militarum higher up there. Yeah. But anyways. All right, so then let's take a look at some completed commissions. This is a Wowzer. Black Legion uh, commission that we've been working on. There's, this is a huge army. Yeah. And here's just a portion of the stuff we've completed recently. Yeah, this is the stuff from the Shadow Spear box. Uh, tabletop Plus, so lots of detail on all the models. All the details are painted. Um, all the colors are highlighted. Um, the basing, I think, is just level two. It looks like it could be two or three. Not 100% sure, because sometimes, again, the artists just do a little bit more if they feel yeah. like it, So, um, which is one of the benefits of going through our studios. Every single one of our artists are very talented, and sometimes they just paint more than they get. They should be, because <laughs> okay. there's natural talents. So we have, um, yeah, the Shadow Spear contents. We have that... Uh, what is his name? The Procession. Master of Possession. Master of Possession, which is still one of the best models ever made. I love it. Amazing. Um, a couple of obliterators. You have the, uh, the Chaos, Chaos Space, Space Marines, Marines themselves. So very cool. I don't know much more to say on this. It's uh, highly detailed. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Black Legion. Anyways, looks really good. Consider the FLG Paint Studio for your next commission. If you Consider want to see us. more of what you got, of what we can do, go to the FLGPaintStudio.com. And then let's jump in and answer some questions. Are we going to wrap well, this up? Oh, there's already a comment in there. That's funny. Okay. All right. So Pyrometheus says, ah, uh, yes, those exact three to five units that people spend on these slightly above average. Yeah. Again. Red Bully, I'm bringing two Knight Castellans and Castellan Crow. That's the Castellan-tastic. Castellan Crow, I forgot about that guy. Know who I forgot about? Mm. Remember the guy with the Cyber Eagle? The Inquisitor? Oh, Cody Eyes. Cody Eyes. Does yeah. he still exist? Yeah. Oh. He's just not as good as he was. Oh, okay. Uh, Axis Venture, says Admech are climbing the rankings. They are. They've become so much more popular after Chapter Approved. Do you know what my, my 2020 goal is? I'm going to be the best Sisters of Silence player. Uh, Jim Vessel just took me to school. The Chaos Rotate mm. Ion Shields doesn't work on combat only versus ranged attacks. Mm. Uh, well, then good. I, I missed that. I just assumed it was the same verbiage yeah. than in the print copy, but it sounds like they fixed it. Maybe I'll go double check. Right. But then that's cool because I always thought it was stupid that it worked in close yeah. combat. It, I, that was obviously, a, in my opinion, an oversight. But um, if that is the case, which I'll trust you, Jim, since you're our number one, then good. That, it I would was trust silly. his judgment. It was silly. Don, my paint level would be the lowest. Uh, Valerie, do you think there's a viable Chaos Knight with only one Knight? Yeah, except you're missing out on the very, very good Infernal and Iconoclast buffs. I don't... Right. 
you could do it. I just don't think like you're basically playing with the index mm-hmm. knight at that point. I, I don't think it's the don't do it. Best way to do it. Don't do it. Uh, Jason will build you a list for three ninety nine. Red blue. No, you. Uh, Jason will pay you to write a list because that's how bad it is. Yeah. Kill Team Stream says his next commission is almost ready. Can't wait to see it. Who's this? Uh, Kill Team Stream. Ah. Uh, Don the Magnificent. What if I want the salty banana level of paint job? Lowest. Yeah, that's also, you know, whatever's in your pocket. Level one. The change you find between the seats of your couch. <sighs> just uh, Kill Team Tree yeah. said he's just waiting for Combat Arena to come out. Nice. Pyrometheus, are there any things that Chaos Knights got that you think the Imperium uh, should have or vice versa? No, not really. I like the difference. Double weapons. For Imperium? Yeah. I actually kind of like that Chaos gets their That'd own That'd be cool. Thing. The only reason they don't have it is because the kit doesn't come with it. <laughs> Yeah. So they would have to make a new kit, unfortunately. Don the Magnificent, does Jason want me to build him a list? You know what? He'll do it for a hug. My list is my lists are good. Jason's new list, I have to give it to him, is good. The Ultramarine one? Or the, the no, Grey Knight? The Knight's Guard and uh, uh, Grey Knights. That's yeah. a good army. I still don't. It's too many models. I don't like playing it. Yeah, well. The Ultramarine ones, that it's coming together. The models are slowly coming together. That is going to be the good one. We'll see. Just send me, yes, kill Team Stream. Just send me money. Please. I like that. Can we do a Patreon for Jason? No, we cannot. Jason's cat? No. Baby the cat. She needs special bladder food now. You brought this on yourself. (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a little bit more about Chaos Knights, what to expect. Gave you some ideas, some uh, some inspiration. Uh, Also, maybe a wrong rule in there. Yeah. But hey, that happens. Get some Easter eggs. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you all next week. Until then, happy gaming. Hey, everybody. Reese's here from Signals from the Frontline with a very special interview. With me today is Gary, a.k.a. NAFCA, from the popular site Fayette212. How you doing, buddy? Uh, good, Reese. Uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us. So in, uh, in addition to running a, a popular blog, which if you haven't checked it out, you should, all kinds of fun tabletop gaming goodness over there. Uh, Gary's been super involved with a project uh, with a number of talented individuals to make a new miniatures game called the Genesis Project. And why don't you tell us, kind of give us an overview of what it is, because it's a really cool and ambitious idea. Um, some, some a little different. It was a lot more ambitious than what we started with. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, essentially we have, it's, it's a customizable war game where you get to create your own factions, uh, picking out your own abilities and traits so that the, you can either match your play style, miniatures that you already have in your closet, or miniatures that you want to get. It's, it's very, very open-ended and flexible um, as far as what, you can, what miniatures you're going to be using and, and how you play the, and how you play. Yeah, that's, it's cool. It's, to my understanding of it, um, the game progresses uh, as you go. Like you could start out in, in like a prehistoric or fantasy setting, Correct. and then as you progress through the game, you can evolve um, your army and do a like a far future type uh, uh, setting. But you you customize it as you go by by acquiring traits and um, mm-hmm. all kinds of other fun stuff to customize your army and make it unique. Yeah, you know, we the the first age is essentially your fantasy medieval, like you were saying. Um, our second age is uh, 
modern to near future and the third age is the far distant future. And essentially our, our Kickstarter that's going live on Friday is it's the birth of the Genesis project, which is the first age. So that's what we are. That's what we are kickstarting on Friday. Um, but so you create your faction and once you get your, your, your faction created, you create unit classes with a bill with specific units that have different abilities on top of that, like your special forces, uh, your range guys, maybe some melee guys, that type of thing. And it gives you a ton of flexibility as far as what you really can build and, and, and play with on the table. So. Yeah, and there's five base, um, like, you know, races or factions Yeah, there, there's that five, kind of form the core of it, correct? Correct, yeah. We have, there's five different domains of life in the game, and each one of those domains builds their factions a little bit differently. Um, those domains are the humanoids, which um, really encompass your, your giants, dwarves, humans, elves, what a majority of people generally play. Um, and then we have the Fae, which are outside, which are kind of outside of reality. Those are your angels, demons, elemental types. And we have the reptilia, uh, the, the beast, and the insects. And each one of those domains really builds their factions in a, in, in a very unique way, uh, still within the same core concept of selecting your traits. They are just built differently. And one of the interesting things is, is that you can start in one of the domains and actually end up taking traits from a different one. For instance, humans that are very interested in, you know, the dark lore of magic and stuff like that, they might be trying to grab traits like forbidden lore out of the, out of the Fae and end up with magic and, and maybe some death traits and maybe even become undead. So it really get, allows you to, as you play your game, create your, create your, create your narrative through gameplay. That's, that's a, a really cool idea. Like, um, why don't you give us kind of an example? Like, let's say I, I was someone interested in, in the game and I was going to play uh, humanoids and I wanted to progress them into like an undead trait. Or right. why, why don't you give us kind of an example of how that would, would work when you're actually playing the game and, and modeling your army? So what you would, what you would do, uh, technically you can do it at when you, while you're building, um, but it would be a lot more fun to do it to start in the humanoids and then work our way there. Uh, so you would start by creating your faction and you would decide some of the more details that you would want. Um, you know, you'd really design your, your, you can customize your equipment and your powers in the game. So you have a lot of flexibility as far as how you would do that. Um, so you, you you create your humanoids, you place, you play a game or two and you get, you get mission awards as you progress and, and play games. So every game you get an admission award and you can take those awards to get those new traits. One trait that would be really good to do would be forbidden lore, which humanoids can have access to, but it basically allows you, it frees you up and gets rid of a lot of prerequisites that are um, elsewhere in the game and even allowing you to jump into a different domain. And so doing that, you would take a, you would take a trait for say your leader, he'd take forbidden lore. He'd be doing the research, and that would grant him an ability within the domain of death. And that domain, uh, that sphere, uh, would then grant access to you for future traits for the rest of your faction. And that is how you would slowly turn yourself into undead. And there's a, 
a wide variety of undead that you would be able to choose from, whether you're going more like zombies or skeletal or you're, you know, more of that, like the classical ghouls or, um, or even more spiritual. So, you know, maybe you're, you have to kill everybody first <laughs> and they're all spirits. <laughs> That's really cool. So, so it, it basically lets you do kind of whatever you want within the confines of these uh, five base factions. And then how does the, the ages come into play in, in this equation? Like the same army that we were talking about, your humanoid yep. army that goes towards the uh, kind of the worship of and becoming undead. How would they evolve into the second age or the third age? Well, as you would, as you would probably advance, you'd probably have, you'd have kind of the fun of both worlds because you would, as soon as you get to the second age, you would be starting to look at other options, like even vehicles. Um, you could go that direction. You could go more magical and stay within the Fae uh, and just have the hordes of undead type of thing matched with, you know, some sort of weaponry of some kind from the second, from the more modern modern age. You could also go towards, say, bionics and start replacing some of those old body parts that are maybe falling off of your dead guys and replacing them with machine parts. Um, and you can start doing that and working your way all the way to the third age and where you may become fully machine or you may, you know, or, or a combination thereof. So you could have a cyborg undead human that eventually has lasers. You, you technically can. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. So then so you would, so, but yeah, so yeah, there's some like in everything in the game. There's always choices to make, of course. And so once you start going, uh, and obviously this is not stuff that we have coming out in the Kickstarter because we're in the second and third age now. But we might as well talk about it now because it's fun. But once you start going more, uh, replacing your body parts, you do start losing access to magical powers, for instance. So there is a, a trade-off in different directions. There's still a way to do it, but. Um, that's still going to be a ways out for players as we are, you know, we're still in the, in the first age. So then in, 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 uh, in regards to the Kickstarter, when it's, it's coming out with the first age, um, yes. what, what will people be looking at on the Kickstarter? Like what is it? They're going to be picking up the, the rule book or what, what, what's kind of a, a, so uh, up for, we all have, for? yeah, we have two books coming out with this Kickstarter. Um, and the books are the, the Genesis project, the core rules. Uh, the core rules have all the missions, everything that you need to play the game. Um, and it is the same set of core rules that you will use to play any of the three ages of through the Genesis project. So it's the same core rule book all the way through. Uh, the It will also have several pre-made factions in it. And those pre-made factions are actually going to be pledges within our Kickstarter. So what will happen is that someone that does want to create a a faction early, get it into, and it will actually make it into the core rule book. And that, so it will be one of our pre-made factions. And our artists are sitting on hand with us in September and October to pump out artwork for those factions. Oh, that's super cool. So, so they yeah, got, somebody listening to this could actually help shape the, the, the game and to an extent. Absolutely. Because really all you need is the core rules to play the game. Um, and the core rules will have that eight, well, there'll be eight factions in there already. And those factions are ones that will be created by players. Oh, that's great. And, uh, 
there are a couple from our beta testing that will make it into the, uh, the, the second book, which is The Birth of Genesis, The First Age. And that book is essentially all the rules that you need to create your factions and advance them through the first age. So, so walk me through that, like in a practical sense, what is it like if I were to go to a tournament or, or to, to the game store um, mm-hmm. and, and play Genesis with my buddies, how does that work in a practical sense? Would we agree what age we're playing in advance or would it just kind of be whatever? Could you, could you play a first age force against a third age force? You can. Uh, in testing, we've done a lot of second age against the first age. Um, a lot less from the third to the first, but you do get a significant bonus in progression points if you do play an advanced spe- an advanced an advanced fashion faction or species. So you will even if you even if you lose the game, you're going to be getting a considerable amount of progression in those lower ages. Um, ideally, you'd be playing within the same age because it's a little bit more fun or close. Because once you get into an age, as you as you first hit the second age. Really, you just have access to a lot more traits, um, a lot more technologies, a lot different types of powers. So it takes a while before factions really get fully into it. And even when you do, your point costs are going to differ from somebody who's in a previous age. So it does; it has that balancing factor in there. So this uh, this sounds like it would really lend itself to campaign play. It does. In fact, that's what the game is oriented towards. Because if you play. If you play within, like, a, say, a store confine, you know, with a store, a store, maybe the store is the center of the group, and they just kind of have, hey, these are the people playing here. You're almost playing within your own set, unique setting that you and the players that are playing all create. Because you, you, as people start advancing, it's it's one of these interesting things that we've seen in um, in play testing is is once people start advancing and start getting these abilities and traits. The other people are always adjusting to them. And it really creates this narrative and this play off of each other that is really dynamic and, and different from one group to the next. Yeah, you kind of create your own little meta, uh, so, so to speak. And then because of the variety of the game, mm-hmm. that um, there's almost, it sounds like there could be an infinite number of permutations of how a game develops between a group of people. It does. I, we've even had playtesters start with the exact same faction. And, and three months later, even though they still had some of the similar ideas and, and, mo- and some of the same models, because that's what they were doing, was sharing models, um, their armies were different. <laughs> they, just, they just went in different directions. You know? So it's, it's interesting to see how, how, how unique all these armies are to each other and in, in, in the play testing, even during um, create a faction contest, which we ran several of those, we have not seen two factions really al- that are alike, that are the same, um, which, which shows the, the wide variety of, of viable options within the rules that are, that are there. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And then the fact that you can use you know, whatever miniatures you want means yep. you can make the army look you know, however appeals to you aesthetically. Yes. Um, which is cool because there's such a wide variety of miniatures out there right now. Um, you really can make whatever you want. But uh, g- give me, a, let me ask you another question from a practical perspective. When I advance my faction, if I'm like the Reptilia, 
uh-huh. faction and I'm going from age, the first age to the second age, do, do I need a new army? Um, how, how does that work? Well, I think that when you're advancing, um, it depends upon, I don't think that you're going to need a new army. You might um, build some new models to customize new new unit classes because while you're advancing, even within an age, you can you can advance and create new classes as you go because you might say, "Hey, I need this guy's got big monsters that in his army," and really I felt like I didn't have a lot to a lot to really handle them well. So you might create a class, and their whole thing is hunting monsters. And you can you can spec you can create new classes dedicated in whichever direction you want as you play, as long as you and you can either spend progression points that you're gaining, or do it um, which is easier um, through mission awards. And so the, the it's good. There's a resource management uh, aspect to it. You can't just make whatever you want, or Correct. it would get silly. So give us an example of of how the, those resources work and how a player would spend them. So, for instance, you have, um, when you play any game in a Genesis project, every mission that you have, every mission that's in the game has an, a mission award that's attached to it. And, and that mission award might be, um, it could be create a new class or it could be um, get a new class trait for one, for one of your classes. It could be um, uh, for any number of things. It could be a species trait. It could be an artifact, technology. There's just, there's a lot of different options in there. And getting those mission awards allows you to add those without any spending any progression points. And what progression points are is you need a certain amount of those to progress you through the ages to get to the second age, for instance, from the first. And from the, and from the second to the third, you need a certain number of progression points. And they're really easy to calculate how many how many you're going to get per game because if you're playing a thousand point game, you have a thousand points of progression points that are possible for you to gain from playing that game, which makes it really simple. And if you succeed in your primary mission, you get fifty percent of that total. And if you uh, stop your opponent from getting their primary mission, you get twenty five, and the other twenty five comes up from a secondary mission. So you're constantly battling on the field to gain these progression points, which can then be spent um, at a you know at a low percentage point. And I believe it's 10% for um, class traits and 1% for for species traits, for instance. So. And then on top of that, you're also getting the mission bonus. Uh, right. So then it, it rewards you for playing. So how, how do players keep track of uh, of all this data? Do they have like a sheet they fill out or do they do uh, it on, on uh, online or? We have a, we, right now we have there's faction sheets that we've been using for quite a while that work quite well to keep track of your progression points. Um, there is the guys at uh, the at the 40K wiki have been kind of working with us to set up a Genesis project wiki as well. So that that will also be um, launched most likely before people get their books. And so that's another place where you also be able to see other people's factions and what they're building, which is also kind of cool. Yeah, that's always a lot of fun. It's like looking at someone's list in 40K, I would imagine. It is. You know, the interesting thing about list building in, in the Genesis project is, um, you know, you've got your, your, your faction, <laughs> which you're you're customizing on your own as well so you're like customizing your faction and then for a game once you get your primary mission 
you're creating a list for that mission. And so your lists really vary quite a bit in the, in the Genesis project. Um, I know I used to fine tune my list a lot in other games where I had a list or a list plus a couple of variables. Um, I, we find we find that in the Genesis project your lists change um, considerably depending upon your opponent and upon your uh, the mission that you have. Yeah, I can see that. So when, how does that work when you're coming to the game? Do you do you have a preset list or can you kind of customize it when you're sitting down at the table? Well, the first thing you're supposed to do is build your table, so you know that you know the area that you're going into. So you have you have your terrain set up. Uh, the next thing is you're supposed to roll for your mission, and and swap faction sh- your faction sheets with your opponent, and that way your opponent knows, hey, I'm playing a reptilia that has big monsters in it, you know, or I'm playing one that uh, a heavy spellcaster or or something to those, or you have that concept of what they can bring, not what they're going to bring, what they can bring, um, and then now that once you have your mission, your table, your opponent, you may, and then you write out then you write out your list from. From the from the miniatures and from the rules that you have, so. And how long does that typically take? We play thousand point games, um, up to like twelve hundred and fifty point games, um, generally in about an hour and a half. That's not bad. And it's mostly because the the gameplay is 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 relatively fast. Um, so we, it, it's just quick between each other. Even though we can go. A very it can be the game is normally six rounds it can actually extend outwards uh depending upon the um opponents and people that are alive left on the field trying to trying to push it but the uh the games big huge games we've accomplished in um you know three three and a half but you're talking you know three thousand four thousand point games well to give us a kind of a context uh, how many models do you typically have in a thousand point game or is it, does it vary wildly from faction to faction? It, it can vary wildly, <laughs> but in general, um, a thousand point game will have about 30, 30, 40 models per side. Not bad. Um, that, that reminds me of kind of like second or uh, second edition 40 K. That was a pretty normal model count back then. Uh-huh. And it, it can be a lot more, uh, <laughs> you know, some people get their model point. They, they focus on, very inexpensive models and really, you know, flooding the table. Um, some people have, some people at a thousand point game might field 15 models. You know. Right. Going for the more elite force. Yeah. An elite force or a bunch of giants or monsters. Uh, monsters are a tremendous amount of fun to create in the first age. You know, that's one of the, you know, we kind of have, I, I have this, this ongoing theme that, that we talk about here in the in-house with the in-house guys is, in the first age, we create monsters. In the second age, we create we create tanks, and in the third age, we create mechs and power yeah. armor. So, <laughs> I mean, that sounds that sounds like a lot of a lot of fun. Like now, could you take a create a monster and then turn it into like a mechanized like cyber monster at some point? They have access to the traits within the domains. So, so yes. you could make an undead cyber giant if you so chose. Yeah, some of some of the options that you're going to be trying to choose. I mean, if you go like completely radical, like you want to create an an undead frog of some kind, you know, you're going to have a hard might have a harder time. But <laughs> <laughs> there are some extremes that you're going to have a hard time with. But we spent a, a tremendous amount of time and effort going through uh, miniature lines from companies that um, 
that also are supporting us with our Kickstarter, um, really making sure that we that we have a that we can encompass all pretty much all the models that they have. So that's was, uh, that's pretty cool. So, what companies are working with you guys on this? Well, we. Well, I don't know if you know, but Dave Taylor, Dave Taylor of Dave Taylor Miniatures is helping us run our Kickstarter. Dave Taylor is a great guy and yeah. a, a tremendous artist as well. He is, and he has worked with um, everywhere from Games Workshop to uh, Warlord to Cool Minis or not. He's worked for a lot of people, <laughs> and he really knows the industry quite well. And he's he's kept me on the on the straight and narrow. As we approach launch here, and he is the one who is uh, doing the things behind the scenes um, as far as layouts and printing, um, working our distribution. We've already kind of we've already got um, a good handle on distribution too for later. Um, so he's he's kind of that behind the scenes person who has gotten us from concept, great concept, ready to go. What do we do now? <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> Yeah, he's got. Well, yeah, I mean, Dave's been in the industry forever, so. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's brilliant when it comes to that stuff. He knows the he knows how to get books shipped from one place to the other appropriately, you know. Yeah. So I've so been Dave is Dave has been has been has been a wonderful uh, person here. Plus, he's a great editor as well. You know. So. Yeah, and he, you know what? He's a he's a handsome and intelligent man as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, never gonna go handsome, but. <laughs> Uh, I saw that you're also working with. Uh, I, I, I never say this correctly. I believe it's Mirce Miniatures. Mirce, yeah. Mirce, they have some of the the best fantasy miniatures I've ever seen in my life, and it's cool that they're going to get some more exposure out of this because the the sculptor or sculptors, I don't know how many people work at the company, are ludicrously talented. It's I've been a, a fan of their stuff for many many years. Yeah, you know. We also between Mirce Miniatures, um, Mantic War Mantic game, Mantic uh, Games, uh, Warlord, um, Raging Heroes, Raging Heroes, Atlantis Miniatures, all of these guys are are supporting us and in our, in our in our effort here to launch this game. Uh, they're all a bunch of great people, first of all, but the uh, it's nice that we're getting that uh, support and be seeing their miniatures not only um on our pages but you'll be seeing them in our books as well oh that's uh you pick some definitely some talented people to work with i know mantic's got that uh, ability to make plastics which is huge and then you know raging heroes and uh atlantis uh mirrors uh yeah. some of these other companies i'm sure i'm forgetting some i'm, I'm looking at the people on your site right now uh yeah it's, Anvil it's Industries. A great, it's a great list. they're hyper talented smaller companies mm -hmm. but really 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 good sculpts in there so that's cool uh anvil industries too let you already let you kind of like choose your own adventure make models the way you want them to look so that seems like that'd that be fit? a perfect fit doesn't that fit just perfect yeah yeah <laughs> and for those of you who are listening who don't know what you can do is you can go to their site and paper doll make choose the arms the head the body the backpack the gun the, the sword whatever yep. Um, make the miniatures and they, they, they look really, really cool. So it's neat that you already have a, a access to that via another company. Yeah, they do some, they do some great work. Uh, 
and you'll and in our books, of course, you'll see a lot of stuff all attributed to them because they're the ones producing these miniatures. So they're they do some great some great stuff. Uh, that regiments uh, build, which is what you're talking about in the, for Andal Industries. Yeah, I I go in there and I built my own there. Yeah, I, I mess around these with these guys. These guys all send stuff to you. Uh, relatively relatively quickly too and cheap too yeah i mean the models are are not cheap but they're high quality but the sh they do the shipping the shipping relatively cheaply um yeah that's that's awesome and then to, to take it back to the gameplay a little bit can you uh -huh. walk me through a little bit just like how the core mechanics of the game works i'm sure a lot of people are going to be uh curious because the most interesting thing about the game from the outside looking in from my perspective is the how you make your army because it's so wide it's so sandbox how does one just play the game? Like if I'm going to plop some miniatures down on the table, you know, how, how do I move them? How do I, I shoot or, right. or, or, you know, that kind of stuff? Well, once you're, once you're, once you're uh, starting play gameplay, um, we have alternating activations and those alter, you can activate a number of squads equal to your highest command value on the table. And, so what that means is, is if I've got a command value of four, I'm able to activate four squads, and then it is my opponent's turn. And then he'll do the same thing um, back and forth until we have activated all the squads um, on the table, and then that ends that game round. The, uh, whoever, whoever finishes activating all their squads first has the initiative for the next game round. And that and it can be challenged in the following game round. So if you definitely if the other person finished first and you definitely need to jump on your opponent quick, you can challenge that. But if you lose, you lose um, a point of command value for the following round. So, so that kind of there's a bit of a resource yeah. management risk reward system there. There is, and there's a lot of that within the game. Um, each squad that you activate is is a, is a has a move and an action. And that allows you to uh, move across the field active and either hold your actions or whatever and decide whether or not you need to use them later because you can do something called reactionary activations as well. Um, when your opponent is about to just unload on you, you can activate that squad and try and get them out of, you know, either duck for cover or, or do something to try and keep yourself alive. <laughs> right. Uh, and what that does is it creates... Uh, but the game is a very much a back and forth between your opponent. You, you can't leave the table in, when you're playing the Genesis Project because there's just too much going on. Yeah, uh, a lot of modern modern game systems use the uh, alternating activation mechanic. It's, yeah. tip, in my opinion, it tends to be just more kind of a more engaging, more enjoyable, um, especially for smaller scale games. It's just more fun to do it that way. It is, and... And it's that back and forth when you don't know if your opponent's going to try and react against you or whether or not, or, or not, you know, and, and so whether, what we're going to be allowed, what you're going to be allowed to do through the game round. The other thing that goes on is if I charge that, if I charge in, into melee combat with my opponent and I make him activate that squad, that activation counts towards his command value for his next player turn. So you can you can really try and, and control the flow of the game if you can get on top of it, um, and your opponent will be doing everything that they can also to control to control the flow of the battle. Oh, that's interesting. 
And we, we, we take that even a step, a step further with um, the actual combat mechanics. Uh, and the combat mechanics uh, are a set of enhancements that each player will have as you, before you drop any dice. So we you always resolve the combat situation first to find out who has the advantage. And you add up your total enhancements, which might be from either charging, maybe having the high ground, outnumbering your opponent, maybe from, from being strong, those types of things, or even from coordinated attacks. So you can uh, take total those up, and then you compare that to your opponent, and whoever's got the highest of the highest enhancements has the advantage for that combat. And they are the only person that will be getting a bonus, and they get the difference between the two. So if I had a plus two enhancement during the combat situation, you had a plus four, you would get a plus two to your die rolls for your guys, and I would get not, and I would not get any. And what that does is it really simplifies because the combat situation is, I mean, you can calculate it up in, in seconds. It makes the combat really fast because we have one dice roll to hit and one dice roll to save. And combat just moves. So is it, is it a D6 system or do you use the alternate uh, dice? It's a D6 plus your characteristics. So you are basically essentially taking, if you're trying to hit somebody in ranged combat, for instance, you're taking a die six and adding your range skill to it to hit a target number for the opponent. Can you give us an example of how that would work in like a yeah. normal situation? So normal situation is some guys are charging across the field at me. <laughs> All right. right. And so they're moving. Now they're going to maintain their movement bonus um, until, until their next act, through their next activation. Um, so if I, if somebody charges into them, they maintain their charge bonus as well. Um, but if I'm going to be shooting at them, what I would do is, is I'd pick out my target. Um, and if I have a range skill of three, because the, the characteristics are based off of a, a one to six range as well, similar to the dice. Um, and so if I wrote, so I have a, a range of three, I'll be adding a dice roll to that. And they have a target number, and a, a good target number might be seven, for instance, seven or eight. We'll give them a seven for now. And so what we would do is we'd go in and we'd find out who has the combat advantage over that. I might be stationary. I might have high ground. And I might have maybe some coordinated attacks to help me get an extra bonus. And he's going fast, so he might get a plus one, maybe plus one for cover. And so I would find out that I have maybe a, a, an advantage of plus one. So I would add plus one to my die roll. So that would give me a skill of three, drop my die roll, and do I hit his target number or not? So then uh, you would add in the, the total bonus to the, the D6 roll. If correct. it's seven or more, you've hit your target. Then I hit my target. So then what does the opponent do at that point? Then the opponent, if, if the opponent hits, or if, if I hit the opponent, he now needs to make a save. And as long as he can make a save, if he cannot make a save, it's a critical, a critical hit. Um, in which case, he just takes he just takes a wound or whatever the uh, whatever the attack does. Um, so the so he, if he's got a toughness of three, for instance, and I rolled a seven to hit him, he would now have to make a four plus a four plus save to not take a wound. It's the difference between the the roll and his toughness. Yep. Nice. 
And so it's a very simple, you don't need charts to play the game. You just jump right into it, and you have to go right across the board and, and, and make those saves. So then uh, from there, do most models have one wound, or, or how does it resolve to that point? Uh, if you have one wound, it, I, many models have one, but there are also quite a few that have two. I know that uh, in the playtesting groups, I believe a number of them have a good number of them have two wounds, um, but I think it's a little more common to have just one. Right, and then monsters but and I, vehicles and such usually typically have more. Right, right, yeah, and and, and our vehicle anything that's non-living does not have does not have wounds and takes damage to their toughness. Interesting. So is that how you resolve and, like a tank or something like that? Absolutely. And as they take as their toughness degrades, it becomes easier to hurt them. It's, it becomes easier to critical them, yes, and then they go bye-bye. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, and, and uh, a simple and elegant system makes it uh, relatively easy. It does, and you know, and once once you do it, uh, the math is not is not all that complex because you it you're, it's really just one side getting any bonuses to their die rolls, and so you know right away, you know, I've got nothing but my toughness here to save me. <laughs> right. Right, and then of course, because of the nature of the game, if you want to make your guys tougher as you go, you can do that. Yes, or you can equip them with better armor, which, which will add to their which will add to their toughness. Right, so you can make them physically tougher, or you could add to their armor, give them bionics or right. magical Correct. protection of some sort. Yes, and then you would represent that on the model as you go. Correct. That's cool. So then do, do you see it as the same army being modified or just acquiring new models to replace old models? Well, that's an interesting idea. Uh, interesting. Way. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're, you mean when you're advancing? Right. When you're advancing through the ages or when you're just equipping differently? When you're advancing, like say I have a unit of humanoid infantry and they start out with swords and shields. Right. Um, and then I want them to kind of go down another road. Um, do you yeah. see people just kind of like taking the same model and maybe giving them a, a rifle or, or just yeah, so picking up a new miniature? So, uh, you know, in all honesty, playtesters do a little bit of both. Right. Um, I, I know there's, uh, there's one guy here who just uses the, he just, I don't know what glue he uses, but it never holds very well. So he just pulls <laughs> his weapons off and changes them. So, <laughs> I mean, that works, right? <laughs> But, I'm, you know, magnets would work better. Right. And I've, I've explained the magnet concept to him. But, yeah, we'll see about that one. <laughs> the, uh, um, but, no, yeah, you can, you can as your army adjusts, uh, you can build. The nice thing is if, if you have a class of models and you decide, that, hey, I want to make pikemen, for instance. Right. Right. What you might do is you might keep that class of, of your swordsmen and you might create a new class out of out of them from that class and make pikemen so you're creating a more elite class out of your out of your uh out of your lower level troop guy and then you could add on some shoulder pads or you know whatever to, absolutely to, to and, use, and, use, and use the models so and uh, the scale is generally 28 millimeter it's 28 millimeter and we've got a um you can't increase the size of your miniatures through of traits and abilities because there is giants and things like that all throughout the game um, so you can um, do that. So we have a guide in there as far as, you know, how many inches tall and, and, and the base approximations that, and there's some crossover too between the sizes. So a, so a, um, a regular size model versus a 
large model, there's a little bit of overlap in that 32 millimeter base size. And, um, you know, so there's, there's room to play. You I mean, and there's nothing stopping you from using the rule set and playing at like 15 millimeter or even six. Um, you could, if you yeah. so chose. Yeah, you could, you could go up, up in scale. Um, the way the game plays when you pick your point levels, uh, might play right into something like that. If you're trying to play just, you know, individuals, even individuals within your, um, your lower level troops. And I've got, I've got a good friend of mine that every single guardsman he has, has a name within this, within most of his squads. That's awesome. And, you know, and he's got, and if you ask him about him, he remembers all the stuff he's done with them, you know, or at least he pulls it off well enough that I believe him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just as good. <laughs> but you can play, you, he could, in, in the Genesis project, you can take that squad that he's got everybody named and play a low point game because as you play the games in Genesis, the game scales upwards. So, and it's based upon your discipline for squad size. So if you have a, a discipline of three, at a low point game for a level one class, it's going to be the squad size would be one to three, one to three models. And if you played a larger game, it would be two to six and then three to nine. So it, it, it scales upwards for the larger games. Nice. Not, not only on a number of units basis, but on a number of models within the units basis. Correct. Yes. That's pretty cool. Well, this, this, this sounds super interesting. Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, to people listening that are curious? Like, where, where would they go to find more information? Um, what, what's the Kickstarter for people that want to come and support it? Uh, go to uh, genesisgames.com, and that is the uh, where the big countdown is right now. And I can't go look at it myself because that countdown freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> Almost go time, yeah. It's almost go time, and I and it and it, I I, I take I take a, a very very hard breath every time I see the countdown, so I don't do it anymore. Yeah. So go to genesisgames.com, um, and you can that will have links to our Kickstarter uh, and to our um, and to our Facebook page and a lot of information on the game. So. And then, uh, how do you spell Genesis? Because that's it's a little different. Oh, you're right. It's it's G E N E S. Y-S. Right. It's, it's spelled a little differently. And um, if somebody wants to just Google it, Genesis Project, um, that should bring them right to it. And the, uh, the, the Kickstarter goes live on July 12th, which at the time of this recording is in two days. For those of you yeah. listening to this, it's uh, already probably already been launched. Um, <laughs> and definitely go check it out. Uh, Gary, anything else we wanted to, to add about it before we uh, send this one off? You know, um, come check us out. And if you pledge, I appreciate your support. Yep. Share it with your friends. Indeed. That's a, that was a good one. I like that. <laughs> nice and simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy, uh, I wish you all the success in the world. I hope it, uh, I hope it goes above and beyond what you had imagined it to. And um, I'll keep my eye on it for sure. And it's always a pleasure to speak with you, man. It is. It is, Reese. And, uh, Hopefully I'll be seeing you soon at some at some point or another here. I'm sure we'll bump, bump into each other at an event. Um, I, 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 who knows? You may have a booth at Del Vio here in the next year or two, uh, showing people the, the Genesis Project game in real life. I need to have one, so we will talk about that one. Definitely. Because I need to be there. Yeah, well, you know that uh, we're always here for you. So. Fantastic. 
Well, bud, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. And again, anybody who wants to check that out, that is the Genesis Project, G-E-N-E-S-Y-S. Give it a look and consider supporting the Kickstarter to help get it rocking. All right, buddy. Well, I will talk to you again in the near future. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Reese.